Ladies and gentlemen, Ahmed Higassi and Fajani Sassi, welcome to Worldie. Well, 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 gentlemen, we are back on the pod. Andy's with us. Hello. Jono's with us. You all right? And Neil's over there as well. Good evening. Well, bloody hell. (laughs) It's all been going on, hasn't it? Football's been happening. There is football happening all over the blooming shop. I'm, I'm now actually getting to the stage where where all of the games are starting to blur into one in my head now. So there won't be, there might be points during this podcast where we're talking about game. Okay, I'm, I'm going to need people to remind me which game it is we're talking about. All I know is there's been a thousand penalties and a lot of own goals and as a, well. A, goals are plenty. Uh, an England game as well. An England I, game I think has happened. happened. Yes, it very that much happened. has happened. Yeah. Uh, we are going to react to the England game last on the list, John. So control yourself if you may. Because there's some very important games that we have to cover before we get there. Let's quickly go through some of these games because there were some interesting bits and bobs. Starting with Neil, Sweden versus South Korea. Hopefully that's one you actually watched. Yeah, I did. It wasn't <laughs> great. The, the problem I had on, so this was Monday lunchtime. The problem I have on an England game day is I wake up and I'm really nervous from like seven o'clock in the morning all day. <laughs> so it's very hard to focus on anything else. Um, thankfully, there was precious little to focus on in this game. It, it, it wasn't great. It feels generally like the quality's dipped a bit since the first few days. Um, Sweden won with a penalty. I mean, South Korea, we, we discussed in our one of our preview shows, we didn't expect them to be up to much. And, and they weren't really, that. you know, lots of effort, lots of bluster, um, not a lot of quality. Sun, who is their best player, is clearly relied upon to do everything and, and, and yes. equally clearly can't do everything. So, so it was pretty ineffective actually so what do we think about the VAR gentlemen VAR was in effect for this uh, match winning penalty so I mean I think that there's there's two points to make here in the in the what what did happen is the right result was ended on and it should have been a penalty and that's right so that's VAR doing exactly what it's supposed to do my problem with it and, and it and it didn't necessarily negatively affect this game but it but it gives an indication of how it might and can affect games negatively in the future is the fact that South Korea had gone on a counter-attack they were halfway up the pitch yeah well they were they were they were beyond them I mean, they were they were approaching the penalty area weren't they and they, if it, Son had flashed one in from 30 yards what's going to happen then yeah and what will happen is they will they will call it back they'll disallow that goal they'll call it back and get award the penalty and those are the kinds of things that have been happening in in all of the other leagues that have been trialing it over the last season um and they still haven't and, and they have acknowledged they have they have no solution to that yet and they're still not really sure what they do because the only the only natural solution that to that is stop all the fucking time which yeah. they obviously don't want to do and nobody wants them to do that so so that's something that they're still going to have to try and find a way around so the advice as i'm told the advice the officials are given is to let play go as much as possible i think this is probably more relevant to close offside calls actually but let play go because you can always bring it back but you can't sort of restart play but but that example is is a perfect example you know imagine the chaos if Mm. someone goes up the other end and scores at the other end and then it gets brought all the way back for a var decision you know it it, it gets a bit silly doesn't it and i did i did see one of those offsides in the columbia game whether if if the linesman didn't could, wasn't comfortable calling it offside in real time. He shouldn't be a linesman because the guy's like uh, two yards offside, clearly offside. Just raise your flag, mate. Well, like following the protocol there is just unnecessary. 
Yeah, I, I, mean, I, how, I. How far do you take it with offside? Yeah. It, it can always get to the point. What's the point in a linesman? You exactly. just don't give offside. If yeah. someone scores, you review it. Um, yeah. You know, where do you stop? Oh, well, we can't get into it now. Where we have to stop is there because otherwise this will be the VAR show. And as and much as we want to do that. And there are a couple of other talking points for, for VAR coming up as well, aren't there? There so. are. What about in the Belgium game? So Belgium comfortably beat Panama 3-0, but not without some kind of early stutters. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, because of their, their kind of clinical finishing towards the end and the fact that they, they eventually broke down a, a stubborn team who just then kind of lost their impetus, um, uh, for I'm gonna say what sixty minutes of that game, Belgium were really really struggling. Now, I mean, you might you might argue that was similar to us in the second half, which we'll obviously get and get onto against Tunisia. Maybe it's a similar situation, and maybe that's all that was really happening to Belgium. They were just struggling to break down, but they did look a little bit like they were a, a bit short of a few ideas. Yeah. Um. And and a couple of their personnel, uh, their big names as they have frequently done on the big stage. I mean, they got to the quarterfinals last time, but then in the, like, in the quarterfinal in, the, in 2014, just everybody just stopped. Like, I remember Eden Hazard just having a terrible game. Yeah. And, I mean, he, he actually probably was their, their brightest player. He did, well, he got kicked a lot, didn't he? Yeah, he Crikey. did, yeah. He really um, so, yeah, so they, it took a while for them to, 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 get, to get any kind of like you know grip on the game but when they did they were clinical and they finished so i mean you know it's, it's easy for us to be dismissive of dismissive of them because their first 60 minutes but then you know you know look at all the other big teams who have struggled so far and in the end they did win comfortably so i didn't think panama looked particularly good either i don't no, think belgium no. were poor because panama were good i think belgium were poor because they were just poor in their own right i i i, I reasonably confidently state that we should have not too much problem against Panama you know never say never and all that but I'm, I'm fairly confident how about that also, Lukaku what, 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 though that, that well, clinical finishing from the line. what Belgium also showed as 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 England did which we'll come on to is having a a reliable man up top can, can make the difference you know some of the, the big teams that haven't won haven't done so because they haven't had that man up top who you can rely on to score goals hmm. To, to, to be fair, I, the the first goal, the Mertens goal, was an absolute. Yes. Oh, it was a cracker, oh, wasn't it? Yeah. And and um, having someone like Lukaku in the team who can score um, a, a drop of the hat like that, uh, he only basically had two chances and he he scored both of them. So he's a big man for a big moment, that Lukaku. He, he really is. So I, I think if you look at that scoreline, you would think that they kind of waltzed it, but it, it I wouldn't say that it was an easy game for them it's interesting because obviously like thoughts have they've started turning to now we have seen belgium once uh thoughts have started turning to what's going to happen with us against them um a week on thursday um and and people talking about i've heard this be kind of put two ways right so our back three um, some people are arguing they're going to massively struggle against lukaku other people pointing out that these people play week in week out against Romelu Lukaku because they all know what he's like because they've all played against him in the Premier League but the problem with that is is he scored a handful of goals against them all in the Premier yeah, League also, so, also so true yes. so you know I, mean, I don't think we can draw too many conclusions from that I, I, um, I think the key playing against Belgium is to stop the supply to him because they've got so yeah. many good players you know attacking midfielders that, that can supply him if, if you stop the feed of the ball to him you're sort of halfway there but again that's easier said than done because these are some of the best players in the world well and also who have we actually got that can do that who have we got who's going to can sit on De Bruyne or can can sit on Eden Hazard who have we got 
Ruben Maybe stick him on there. I wouldn't be surprised if we played Henderson and Dyer in that game. Not, yeah. not to man mark, but but to do that sort of a job in front of the back four or back three. Yeah, I think that's a pretty reasonable shout. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Kevin De Bruyne not quite as amazing as we might have seen him before in that game. Yeah, well, he plays he plays very deep uh, compared to, to where, he, where he plays at City. He looked frustrated, is, John, is what he looked. He did. He, did. Um, he I, was I, a picture I, of frustration. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think that was a lot to do with um, the pressure that the, the Panama players were putting on him. But also, it's, it's very... It's more difficult to dictate a game from deep um, than than further up the field where you can influence the the final third a bit more. That's true. What about Axel Witzel? I just like saying the name because it, it rolls beautifully off the tongue. It does. He's not great though, is he? He's, I not. Mean, he's one of their weakest. He's got weaker a lovely players. lovely head of hair. Yeah, he has. Yeah. I I personally would have played Dembele there, um, not just because he's a Premier League player, but I think he's a better player than Witzel. Ooh, all right. It easy, you know. You know who. Uh, you know who I would have played there, John, mm-hmm. is Nangolan, who inexplicably is not in the squad. Have we discussed it? I think. I think we discussed it, it way yeah, back. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and again, in a game like that, when you might have to bully your way through and actually get stuck in a little bit to give the creative players the opportunity to play, Nangolan would have been fantastic. And mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of uh, Belgian fans that are. Saying exactly that now. Mm. Well, and it's interesting because um, Roberto Martinez was not a popular appointment for for Belgium supporters um, for you know for relatively obvious reasons, I think. Um, but uh, but but beyond that, they've actually been very critical of, of of a lot of his team selections and the way he's setting the side up as well, and particularly paying people like De Bruyne deeper than than they should be. Um, but you know, nevertheless, you know they they've got enough quality that. That shouldn't really matter until they're coming up against the really good sides like mm. like England. Yeah, should we be scared of? <laughs> should we be scared of Belgium? Um, I yeah, I yeah. well, I, I I think they're going to give us a game definitely. I think really... they'll give us a game. I don't think we should be scared of them. I think we've got enough to beat them. They've got enough to beat us. It just depends who steps up on the day. I think. I, I worry. I worry about our defence against them. I think. I think. I think we've. They've got more going forward against our defence than we've got going against theirs. I just that's that's my gut feeling. I think our defence is weaker, basically. Speaking of their defence, um, company who's who's been injured so far this this uh, this tournament should be back for the England game. It's, it's exactly like his like his career at Man City, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sitting on the bench, waiting for a chance. My concern with all those types of players, I think Ledley King is always a classic example of this, is that mm. when a player doesn't play a lot, a kind of mystique is built up around them that they're significantly better than they really are. I know Comedy's a very good player, but is he a good player now? And should he just walk on straight into a team fresh in the World Cup having not played for a while? And the thing is, is, is Vincent Company has, he's had more game time this season um, than quite a lot of recent seasons, but even so, it's not its not like it's a, a season that's been uninterrupted by injury. And he's, he's an excellent, excellent player, but he is a shadow of his former self because he just doesn't play football anymore. Mm. That's quite the thing. Well, talking of players that are the shadow of their former selves, we remember one Radamel Falcao when he came and played for Man United didn't really do very much for them but today he was back on the field for Colombia and looking much more like the Ranamalt Falcao of old however however (laughs) indeed Colombia didn't make it easier for themselves did they this game took an incredible twist I mean a lot of people on the chats and on the socials were predicting this might be a bit of a walkover for Colombia seasoned international team they are tournament team 
they they made an absolute hash of it in the first I think that penalty came after about seven minutes or three, something three minutes three minutes three minutes holy mackerel second fastest um, it involved the second fastest red card in World Cup history as well it was a fine wow. fine block uh, by uh, the Colombian player bit of, there bit of a Suarez situation very where, much where so where he kind of poured poured the ball away from, from goal and another blast from the past Shinji Kagawa steps up and rolls in the peno yeah that's a really really kind of like assured penalty wasn't very it as nice. well like he just he just wandered up looked to see which way the goalkeeper was going realised the goalkeeper was going uh, to his right and then just calmly placed it just into the space where the goalkeeper used to be um really so so the commentator described i can't remember who it was um the the co-commentator he he described it as being a really poor penalty and he's lucky because he hasn't hit right but no no, it's exactly as you said he knew exactly what he was doing he saw what the keeper did so he and it actually became a very easy penalty because he'd thought about it yeah yeah just you know you you could see a a lot of players benefiting Lionel Messi from that kind of thing (laughs) just wait for the keeper to move and roll the ball in the other side of the net although I think I think that is a that's a more difficult skill than it looks being able to to suddenly change where you're going to play the ball halfway through your kind of your leg being swung is 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 pretty tricky and, and so very yeah. true um iron balls to do that on the world yes. world cup stage three minutes into your game your best bet mm. is to antoine griezmann into the top corner isn't yeah it? that's the very best option uh yeah so uh colombia were then under the cosh and as it turned out japan uh japan snuck in with the victory i mean that was yeah, that I, was very interesting because much... because colombia obviously equalized before half time there was there came a point sort of part way through the second half when Colombia looked the better team I thought um mm. and it was almost a surprise when Japan retook the lead again um it, it was a funny game really in it, that respect it ebbed it ebbed and flowed quite a bit from one side to the other where you, you'd had a, a 10 or 15 minute period where where one team was pretty much on top and then it would swing swing back the other way it's, um, quite, it's quite funny as well isn't it because when you have you get a player sent off quite often what people do is they take off an attacking player and so your entire setup is exactly the same. You mm. take attacking player off and replace them with a defender player. So you, you, you have exactly the same kind of setup. You just have fewer strikers on the pitch. So you're not going to concede any goals, but you're less likely to score. But there was none of that from Colombia, was there? Mm. They, were, they were still going forward and they were still giving it some. It was Peck, Peckerman, wasn't it? The, uh, the, the Colombian coach. coach. Yeah. Yeah. He made some very, very bold decisions with his substitutions after the, the red card. I, I think Colombia had almost certainly targeted this match as a win. Mm. And when things were not going their way, they were in big trouble. Because as, as Andy described this as the group of shit, they still have to beat that shit. And now they have zero points when they'd have expected to have three. So I think tough times for Peckerman and the Colombian team especially towards the end of the game after uh, Japan got that uh, winning goal they looked they were in pieces really and uh, the, the final whistle I think they looked really dejected especially their their talisman uh, Rodriguez there who was uh, being impetuous impetuous Yes, that's the word. And he'd um in the yeah, see that was quite a big blow for them as well because it was a thigh injury maybe yeah. that kept him out of the starting lineup and you know mm. he's their talisman, um he's their kind of their their go to guy. He got the golden boot four years ago, you know, and and not only that he was the big talking point, wasn't he? Because of that that explosive first goal he scored and which probably the goal of the tournament I think in the end wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And and so all of those things and to go into a well hell we know this but to go into a tournament without that person starting is such a big blow so it was 
it was actually, to be fair to Columbia, a massive credit to them that the st- they stayed in touch with that game. Admittedly, the part of that is down to the lack of quality in their opposition. Yeah. Um, but 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 nevertheless, you know, Japan still had a job to do and went out and did it. So fair play to them. One for that. thing I really really liked about about the Japan effort in that game is that yes, they might not have the most talented team, but they also even before well three minutes in, but you could tell from the way they were set up, they weren't going to be a defensive side. So while yes, maybe they're not the most talented team in the world, I think you know they set out to do a job and they did a decent job and especially under the circumstance they took absolutely the best out of that situation they got that they got that red card in their favor early and they you know they got the job done and i think nobody would have expected that probably not on the japanese team to have taken away three points so they're in a very good spot now yeah, and I, I wouldn't be that... surprised if they picked up a point or two in the other games, actually, as well. So it is a shit group, and they're probably the worst team. But having won the first game, they could very easily draw one or both of the next, or even win one of them and go through. Yeah, it's wide open, I think, now. Uh, so in the final, to round off the group of shit then, Andy, it was uh, Poland versus uh, Senegal. Poland versus Senegal. Um, now, Senegal, very impressive in this. Um, yeah. I think in the, the in, in my preview of the group of shit, in fact, I think, I think it was, I can't remember, we were talking about them anyway in our preview. Um, I think we looked at this and thought, well, Senegal, you know, they've got Sadio Mane, who is you know, obviously their talisman. He's their kind of their big high-profile player. And, and maybe they're going to be restricted to, to playing through him, but actually not, not a bit of it. They, they, they look like a decent unit. They um, Poland, for all of their bluffing bluster i mean they went into this tournament with his joint top goal scorers from the qualification process um with six 16 goals from Lewandowski. so you know this is <laughs> these the, the, these guys did well in their their qualification group um and they they came into that game when I, and actually thought i thought i thought they were looked to made to look fairly ordinary by the by mm. a decent nice fast flowing kind of counter attacking yeah. um senegal side um i was honestly a little bit disappointed by poland um having a player as high quality as Lewandowski on the pitch to not get anything from him I think is slightly inexcusable he didn't do a lot did he i I'll hold my hands up and say that I actually fancied Poland here and I thought they would probably qualify quite quite comfortably uh, comfortably from the group but seeing their performance today um I, i'd have to reconsider that i think um, this, so no, this poland team is resting on on their laurels they were a perhaps. good side a few years ago but i'm really not sure they are anymore but senegal were Le- were great Lewandowski is a player that relies a lot on service i would mm. say yeah. create a lot for himself um and obviously as andy said it, it there was nothing much up to him um there was a huge slice of luck with the first senegal goal you know an enormous deflection um that took a pass to keep it and the second one was a bit of a freak incident i mean it was poor defending essentially because they weren't aware of what was going yes. on but yeah. a bit two sort of bizarre goals i suppose and then poland sort of although they scored late they sort of sort of died from there really didn't they and didn't do a lot else although that one goal was slightly uh, fortuitous because niang was off the field at the time that the ball was initially played it was just another breakaway chance and senegal mm. had created many many of those breakaway chances, and they having Mane in a slightly deeper sort of advanced playmaker role was actually really good because although they weren't looking to him all the time he was often in the right space to be the guy to make the key pass and i thought i thought he actually played very very well in an unusual position for him he, he did play well what what i equally liked is is they didn't rely on him for everything you know as a mm. team they they all played really well it would be very easy just to give the ball to him and expect him to do everything every time but they were they didn't do that at all you know they they, they spread the play around really well mm. yeah it's, it was strange seeing him playing uh centrally um 
for the for the Senegalese team. Um, it, it's so you know you see him so often in the Premier League out wide, um, cutting in, shooting, but but um, playing almost as a playmaker for for Senegal. It was um, and he did it exceptionally well. Yeah, I think it was a it was a jolly nice game which I very much enjoyed, and I'm pleased that Senegal got the win. And mm. that group is now in a position that nobody predicted it would be. So uh, Japan and Senegal picking up the three points, and that could, could go absolutely anywhere now. Yeah, and that was I mean actually, and I think this could probably be said for for a lot of the groups after the first phase of games um, is the exact opposite of what I was predicting them to be. So. <laughs> well, once we've got through all the groups, we will go back and review our predictions yeah. and see what happened there. Uh, but on that note, we will take a little cheeky breaky wake, and then we will be back to talk about the final game uh, that's been in the past now, which was uh, Russia versus Egypt has just finished, and then we're going to have a little bit of chat about England. I think Sturridge has got goals, Rooney's got goals, Wilbeck's got goals, Sterling's got goals. They'll score goals. So that was the end of the uh, first round of games, apart from England, which we're holding on to, because obviously that's going to be a key topic of discussion. But today we had the first game of the second round of group matches, and that was Russia versus Egypt. It just finished just a few minutes ago. Uh, Despite uh, a late comeback from the Egyptians, it was a pretty routine victory for the Russians in the end, 3-1. Yeah, I, I still, I'm still not sure what to make of the Russians. They, um, they've won two games now very comfortably. Um, I think they've actually scored more goals in the last two two games than their last two World Cups put together. Um, so everything's going incredibly well for them. I'm not convinced they're that good a team. Um, perhaps just the uh, the the situation uh, and the support is is pulling them through, and they've played. Bad football teams. Uh, yeah, that that is a good point. They've played a couple of weak teams. Um, it's hard to argue with eight goals in two games. Can't complain about that. Poor old Mo. Oh. Poor little Mo. What about that, Andy? Yeah, I, I mean, you, you gotta feel sorry for him. Um, again, I think you know. I mean, they're essentially going home now. Um, depending on what happens tomorrow, but I can't see um, Saudi Arabia getting anything out of Uruguay, so I think that will mean Egypt are going home. But um, so it is sad for for, for Mo Salah. Um, but it, at the end of the day, there are you know there are bigger stories than that out there. Um, and you know, had they brought him on with twenty minutes to go against Uruguay, they might have won that game. It might be in a different situation. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's easy to get carried away when you have a world class player in a team. But at the end of the day, he is one world class player well, the, in quite the rest an of the average team side. Pretty average. Yeah. What was really interesting is when the third Russian goal went in it was almost as if Egypt they sort of knew they were going out and then they suddenly the burden was lifted and they suddenly for about 10 hmm. minutes they played with loads of freedom and they were really confident they obviously scored the penalty they had a few other chances and it was all, almost like a different team that, that then sort of died away again towards the end when they realized they didn't have enough time to get back into it yeah I, th- I think you can you can directly uh, compare the the Senegal team with this Egypt team and that they both got a fairly one fairly high profile attacking player uh, in Mane and Salah uh, and in in uh, Senegal's case um, they very much didn't just rely on him to to pull the strings although he did have a, a, a good game um, but I, I just got the feeling with Egypt um, much like Argentina in their first game it was it was kind of like just give it give it to, to Salah give yeah. it give it to Messi in Argentina's case and um, I, I just don't think that's going to work at this level. 
No, and I'm not sure if he was still injured or not. That's what a lot of the commentary was saying. Um, he, I don't know whether it's just he, he can't do it all on his own. I'm, you know, I'm not sure if he was still injured. I, possibly he was a, still a little bit sore, but he was certainly off the pace and and not match fit. I think I think that was fairly clear. Can we have a little word though for for Russia? Their big centre forward, whose name oh, always escapes Z- me, Zuba. Yeah, Zuba. Um, that that guy's a, a like a maestro. He's, yeah. you know, he's 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 a giant, isn't he? He he's, he's a talent, clearly a talented footballer, um, and he's just a character as well. Like that big I salute love celebration. Thing. Yeah, and and I think just people like that help make mm. World Cups. Yeah. And the fact that it's in the host country's team and then they're doing really well, that kind of thing is you know, that that's the stuff that makes it into all of the, the montages Definitely, when you're looking yeah. back at the, the, the World Cup. He's a passionate so, guy yeah. and he scored a fantastic goal day. Great strength rolling the it defender. Was great, great 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 composure. I'm not not gonna yeah. use the phrase that everybody uses when someone enormous scores a nice goal but he has but he has but he definitely has he definitely has <laughs> the, 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 the finish was, was lovely really nice little finish. so many players would have put their foot through it yeah. um, but just, just to sort of caress it into the corner was really nice yeah some fucking dreadful defending in that in that <laughs> yes. move but but nevertheless I don't want to take too much away from it because it was no, it right. he, he, he is, he is he great showed an, showed an amount of composure that a lot of our players could learn from yes yes I think we can all agree that we probably haven't yet seen the the, the, the real Russia because mm. uh, they haven't really been tested yet so well, well yeah. that, that win guarantees them uh, a place in the next next round yeah and they're going to have a tough time when they come up against Morocco or Iran absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. So uh, that was the first game of the second round of groups. And so now we're going to turn our attention to the boys with the three lions on their chest. And England got a win. They got an opening game win. My, uh, my goodness, they yeah, cut it fine, though, didn't they? They really did. Oof. I've just got a little word here from, from Gareth. Thanks a lot, boys. I feel much better now. Yeah, I'm sure he does. That's all right, Gareth. He? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely Gareth. Lovely little Gareth. Well, uh, you know, we we obviously got the two one victory. It was uh, it was extremely satisfying to be an England supporter and to finally get a late goal to get us out of trouble. You know, to finally <laughs> yeah. have that moment where we thought it, it was all the same as it all used to be, but then. Harry Kane stepped up at the back stick and nodded that one home, and it was a fantastic moment. It really was, um, and, and it, this is just going to be reiterating what a lot of people have already been said over you know a hundred times over the last kind of twenty four hours. But having a captain who is capable of coming up with the goods when it matters for your side, something like that is is such an important thing to have yeah. it, it's also wonderful that we've got a striker who not, not only can 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 genuinely finish as and when he needs to but it's also suddenly starting to turn heads and make it make a big an even bigger name for himself on the international stage because that kind of stuff raises your profile and i and it just make it just helps that kind of atmosphere around the side anybody who's having slight doubts about the performance in the second half or anything like that they would have been buoyed by the victory 
and then they'll be buoyed by the fact that you know we've now got a we've got somebody in with a shout of the golden boot admittedly only after one game yeah. you know it's all of those things kind of help to build up a, a kind of a, an air of confidence and satisfaction around the side all of which really does genuinely go into help the side I think Andy you've been doing a little bit of espionage as well in some of the uh, some of the continental newspapers and I think there was some quite interesting stuff about Mr Kane yeah I mean I, I find I find I find it fascinating to go and then read see what other countries reporters are saying about England my biggest concern was as I I thought God I wonder how I thought this halfway through the second half I thought how are other countries perceiving this are they looking at us as being some kind of like oh Jesus Christ England are, are struggling through the mire here they're heavy leaden feet and they can't even break down a Tunisia side is that what people are going to be looking at so I went through and read and, and read through and I read from a couple of translated through Google Translate obviously but a couple of German and um, French um, newspapers and stuff and and actually to a to 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 a man they were all saying um, that England were tactically astute played some nice attacking football maybe not the greatest composure in front of goal in the first half um, but then they but but stuck about their game against a very resolute defensive side in the second half and got their just desserts and got a, got a deserved victory about it so that in itself was wonderful to hear that you know lots of other countries are seeing it in the way that we all want to see it um, uh, but on top of that it was really interesting apparently um, there was a and I didn't see this myself I have second hand information but a German newspaper um was basically bemoaning the fact that Germany don't have a Harry Kane style striker. I love to hear that. I That's love brilliant. that. Isn't it brilliant that the yeah. countries like them, the world, in fact, the world champions are coveting our players? That's wonderful. I don't, That's a great I don't think I can ever in. remember that ever happening no. before. I do but think the they're a little 30 bit. 30 minutes of that game were, 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 I think it's the best any team's played this World Cup, probably by some distance, putting the missed chances to one side, you know. I think, as one of the pundits said today, we're creating a ton of chances, which is far more than we've done the past few tournaments. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and, uh, and the fact that we sort of slowed down a bit in the second half, um, as you say, Andy, that, that that got a lot of criticism, I mean, largely on social media, which you should obviously ignore. But, <laughs> you know, we went back to a patient game and we had all the possession. And we, as Southgate said, we were in complete control of what was not necessarily the scoreline, but what was going on on the pitch. And it was just a very patient um, way of approaching the game in the second half, whether it was because they were tired, whether it's because he told them to calm down, I don't know, but it, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. And obviously it showed at the end because we got the goal. I, um, so I was gonna, just on that point, just on that point quickly, Shuri, like I actually think that I actually, they, they, it was all, almost looked deliberate in the second half. And I think Southgate mentioned it in his post-match interview that, that I think they've basically been told that you start, you've started to panic. You started to stretch for this game, go back, drill yourself back to what we've been practicing, go back to our game. And it was almost like a very noticeable, the very start of the second half, a noticeable change in pace from the side, which they then when Rashford came on, he came on with instructions to up the tempo, which they then did. So I think I think uh, I think you're absolutely right, Shuri. I think that was it was it was kind of like a concerted effort, um, and that demonstrates again that kind of that stamp of authority yeah. that, that, that Gareth Southgate is putting on this whole thing. He said yeah. something excellent in that interview when he, when they started to question him for, about some of the delays, like why did it take so long to get? He just stopped and said, "Look." good teams score late goals and I thought that was great it showed a huge confidence that you know he wasn't worried like you say he'd gone back to a plan he knew that we'd make the breakthrough in the end and we did and he also said even if that hadn't happened and we ended up with the draw we were doing all the right things and he'd have still yeah. been very happy with the performance so I thought it was a I thought it was a, a, a great 
it was a great result, obviously, first and foremost, and it was a great performance in parts, but also a great performance by Gareth Southgate. I think he's got it all under control. And the thing is, you're never going to play someone off the park for 90 minutes, are you? You know, no. we were never going to do what we did in the first half an hour for the entire game. And, mm. and you know, again, reading idiots on social media, you, you think they literally expect us to do that, whoever yeah. we're playing. And it's, it's just nonsense. Um, I did find myself getting a bit frustrated in the second half. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Which, which looking back on is, is completely unreasonable of me. Um, I, I, t- I, t- I tend to sort of focus on a player for, for, for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and Ashley Young was really annoying me. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think um, because he's right-footed... It, the balance is never quite right and it's not his fault because he gets mm. put in that position but he's always cutting in yes. but more more annoyingly we, we obviously had a lot of possession in their half and we were pressing and pressing all the time um their right back went to ground all the time mm. every time he had the ball in his own corner young would come in and he'd be hacking around him and of course the guy's going to go down then then they've got a nice free kick in their own half to to waste a bit of time it really annoyed me you know it's just naivety on Young's part I think that he needs to sort of rush in and hack hack this bloke to try and get the ball back really quickly rather and than just stepping off and being a bit more patient and that's coming that's coming from the oldest player in the squad the most yeah yeah I, I think I think a lot of us might have been looking at Danny Rose in that in that position ahead of the game and I think he's got a great shout now to start really because he has that he has that natural left foot for an early cross which I think is going to be extremely helpful but also that that he he you know he has the ability to be both that defensive sitting fullback and a flying winger mm. and Ashley Young is desperate to come inside onto that right foot all the time I'm not sure we need it because we have three midfielders there who he can lay the ball off to if they wanted to play in that way if we're going to quickly talk about the players that are frustrating people and and, and I have since revised this <laughs> in my head but when 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 the game was going on the second half well no the whole game was going on I was getting really frustrated with Jesse Lingard um, and his lack of composure and and, and, I, and I was saying like he can't, he can't start next game he can't start next game his head's gone he, he, you know he can't he can't cope with the pressure all of it all of these things are coming up in my head yeah when actually actually do you know what if, if you're going to trust in any kind of setup and any manager and any kind of setup to, to to get to 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 reset somebody's brain and say don't matter doesn't matter don't you don't need to worry about those missed chances the fact is you were getting into those positions sure and you were creating Hit opportunities for us yeah um the that it doesn't necessarily matter that you because those goals will come. Keep doing that. The goals will come. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and he's not just there for goals. You know, you know, he's got other jobs to do, which he was also doing. So, so I found that bits of that frustrating. But, but I have since revised that because I actually think he, <laughs> he he got into decent positions. So, at the end of the podcast last week, I asked you to to say a name, uh, and Andy, you said Jordan Pickford quite nervously. He he had a very uh, very assured performance. I think. He did. I mean, quite uneventful, really. I mean, he had the, the penalty to try and save, didn't he? Where which you know he went the right way, but it was a it was an inch perfect penalty. Always difficult to save those ones. Um, Sassy penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah nice. <laughs> um, but you know, other than that, you know, he when when he was called upon to do the kind of routine stuff, he did the routine stuff fairly comfortably. Well, no, not fairly, very comfortably and confidently. Um, you know, so and and that will help him in terms of his confidence. Um, it would have been nice if they'd had like one pinging shot into the corner that he could palm away for a Hollywood <laughs> one again, just for a little bit of that confidence. Yeah. But, but nevertheless, I think you know a decent performance from a very young goalkeeper. I think he'll be very I, happy. I think, I think everybody sort of did their job fairly well. It's like you know there, there were individual incidents where individual players could have done better. But I think 
generally, it, it, it was a fairly mm-hmm. good showing. I think Jono said on the last pod, if we won 5-0, everyone would get carried away and it wouldn't be very good for us. So I think the way yeah. that match has ended up has probably been sort of quite grounding for everybody and it should be a good thing. There were two standouts for me and two very exciting and promising standouts was uh, Trippier at right back yeah. and Harry Maguire at centre back. I thought... Both were absolutely excellent. Uh, Maguire almost flawless, really, in performance. It, it was it was nice to. Um, I, I don't know if you noticed in his uh, post match interview, he actually admitted that he was he was a little bit nervous to start yeah. off with, misplaced a few passes, but he, he grew into the match, which I think is a very a very brave and accurate thing for him to say. Um, so I, I think it, it shows great maturity, and yeah. he, he really did grow into the game. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about that, and he was instrumental in the end. There was, there was, there was one point during that game where, where Harry Maguire and John Stones were our best attacking outlet, <laughs> <laughs> both getting forward. But again, like, no, I mean, I, thought, I loved it. That's what that formation gives us the option to yeah. do, though. You know, mm. and let those guys come. Yeah, Harry Maguire marauding forward yeah. on the left flank is fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, word for for Trippier because he, uh, it, it was like he was designed specifically for that wing back role he was getting forward assuredly he was he was actually linking bits and pieces up really well with the people inside him as well and and whenever henderson had the ball trippier was available for him yes he every it was like he thought right i need to make myself available whether it's coming short for one of his famous like you know straight passes um <laughs> sideways passes or whether it was him getting himself down the line and actually because i saw a little package of some uh, some of his uh, henderson's pinged uh, pinged kind of like long 40 50 yard passes and i think three or four of them were to trippier because he had gone yeah. and found himself some space so yeah, yeah. he yeah looked really good I, I think i think hendo we can all be quite quite pleased that that he was maybe more forward thinking than we predicted he had a little bit of the John Joes about him, picking the ball around. It's very nice. Um, but more than that, as well, he did he did the job that he's actually there to do really as well, really well as well, which is which is kind of being being assured, kind of anchoring the type, the team, being the kind of like the, the backbone, if you like, or the heart of that that of, of that yeah. side, yeah. being the person who's there, kind of marshalling, seeing what's going on ahead of him, um, and being there also as a motivational person because I mean he has been England captain before and, and he, he is Liverpool captain. Is that right? Yeah. It feels yeah. like a so, sort of second, second captain yeah. on the pitch, doesn't it? So he's so, he, he's so reliable in that position as well. You don't, you know, you don't. He doesn't do anything particularly outstanding, but he doesn't really make any mistakes. You can rely on him to, as you say, he just did did the job he he was supposed to do. If he makes a great fifty yard ball to a winger, then then even better. But if he doesn't, that doesn't mean he's had a bad game because that's not really what he's. No, the one thing the one thing I'd really love him to add to his game is in some of those circumstances, just to be a bit more aware of his surroundings and be able to turn and take a look at the play. Mm. He 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 almost exclusively plays the way he's facing, which I realise is excellent from a security point of view. But then I'd I'd like him to get a shout from one of the other players. You you, you know turn. And, and be able to turn and move the ball a little bit quicker and just get things going. There, but there, it's a there, small criticism. Really. Yeah, there are a number of instances where he got the ball in in, in midfield. Um, you know, no no other player within 15, 20, 20 yards of him. And he could have turned and, and looked forward. Instead, he just lays the ball off back to one of the centre-backs again. Um, which which when he does that a few times it, it does get a little bit frustrating <laughs> well it's when he does that and you're not winning you know if you're yes. chasing a goal yeah, 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 if you're true. winning it's brilliant because it's just taking up time but yeah but again that's that's not necessarily it's a very minor criticism mm. of his overall performance mm. 
Yeah, and again, if that if the, if it was somebody like you know like Jesse Lingard who was doing or Deli Ali who was doing that, you think you'd have a yes, problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's less of an issue for him. But you're right, adding that extra bit to his to his to his game would open up a whole world of things. But you know that is that's potentially a asking too much of a player who is effectively a defensive midfielder yeah. well but, he even got forward and had a very nice shot yeah, didn't he so I think cracker. yeah so I think I think very very good signs from that England team I can't really remember being quite as positive after an, after an opening match at a major tournament um, not that I think we're going to win the thing but it gives you great confidence seeing your team actually kind of pull it together for once this is one of the things that really frustrates me as well about some of the negative reaction to that game is 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 the fact that whenever England do well or you know or win a game or whatever or any people feel feel positive everyone starts with, we 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 celebrate the victory and we feel positive about it then we get accused usually by Scottish Welsh and you know Northern Ireland <laughs> Irish people for being like you know for oh well you think you're going to win the World Cup now it's like no let us let us celebrate a victory yeah. you know like just let us celebrate the victory and actually be positive about about our time our team for once I did see an advertiser up in Scotland has a hashtag which is hashtag anyone but England I mean mm. that, I mean that's that's so that's so lazy that's so last century as well like I think really I mean do you know what I love that and and, and I really enjoyed watching all of the the any but anybody but England people getting really shirty on social media because fuck them like yeah you know yeah, yeah. it, it the the BBC would be all behind Wales, Scotland, yeah. and Ireland. In fact, they were in the Euros yeah, two years ago, right? Absolutely, and you know, get behind them. Yeah, me fine, too, why yeah. not? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, for me personally, the best part of that um, that performance was, uh, we, I think we mentioned it on the last uh, on the last episode. We 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 kind of hoped that England would become a team that other nations want to watch play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, particularly in the first half, I think I think we did that. I think we were exciting. We were forward thinking. It was uh, it was fantastic. There was one of one of the things that I came away because I because I I had that kind of like guttural like primal yeah <laughs> when when we won and it was relief as much as anything else. Yeah. But then I, then I was watching the BBC and and it was actually Phil Neville of all people. No, actually no, no. Do you know what? It might have been Gary on ITV doing a. Either whoever it was 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 making a point where they were saying the um, kind of the, what we what we could have ended up had we drawn that game it would have been fine but there would have been a little bit more pressure there would have been pre- more pressure on the Panama game there would probably be more pressure on the um, on the Belgium game as well mm. they would have been going into training today and tomorrow uh, and they would have been worried about wow well, we haven't quite got there we haven't quite got over the line and all of those little things kind of add up and they add up as, as kind of pressured issues that kind of that weigh on the players minds but actually what they're going to do now they go they, they're going into training tomorrow cock a hoop really happy three mm. points on the board feeling confident feeling happy about themselves feeling happy about their captain feeling happy about their manager and they're going in there and and that kind of thing just lifts then just lifts the weight off everybody's shoulders and when you've got a three game tournament that is that is absolutely invaluable and hearing him talking those kind of points just suddenly started feeling filling me with excitement to get about it again it's like yeah this is great this is what it feels like to win your opening game of a yeah. tournament i'd forgotten what it was like <laughs> it's great to be in a kind of positive frame of mind about this kind of stuff now yeah one, it's one, one, one last point for me um i thought i thought it's it was great because it was clear, as as we've already mentioned, that um, Gareth had a plan and the and the the team followed that plan. Um, 
I think it was fairly clear also that um, they 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 looked at Tunisia and saw set plays as as a, a bit of a weakness because we had a lot of success. I mean, both yeah. our, our goals came from set, set yeah, pieces. Quite. Um, and it's it's always I think it's always nice from a manager's point of view for him now to go back to his players and say that's why that's why we we practice all this stuff in training that's why um, I've asked you to do all these yeah, these yeah. things for, essentially it reinforces his message yes so so those players now are going to be even more behind the yeah. manager Gareth yeah and more buy-in. Yeah, very and, and, very good point, and 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 that is um, hopefully very very promising for the next couple of games. Well, it's exciting times, mm. isn't it? And uh, any more for any more before we round up the pod for today. What? Um, so we spent ten minutes the other night having a really boring conversation about attendances. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. going to do that for a couple of minutes. Okay. So uh, more more boring than talking talking about it. I went online and looked up all the official FIFA attendance statistics right. on the tournament so far um and the reported attendances they're all um 98 plus percent full essentially right. um which is clearly nonsense so they're either yeah. making it up or they the attendances are based on tickets sold rather than people actually rather than bums on seats yeah uh, but but i mean again we spoke about it two days ago it, it's still been the case in every game i think i've seen since then as well perhaps less less so the england game but perhaps i wasn't watching the crowd so much i'm not sure um there were empty seats but yeah it still seems to be the case in most games what i like about this stage of the tournament because we're now getting into everybody's second game things of sort of more significance are happening you know like egypt are pretty much out and russia are pretty much through for example so every Mm. game it sort of it, it doesn't mean more but there's it feels like it does if you see what i mean yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my gut feeling is, is that I'm, I'm, I'm less worried about empty seats. I would be more worried if there were massive, great, big, like entire tiers that were empty. But it is, I mean, so whilst there are large numbers of empty seats, they are at least spread out and sort of relatively hidden. Um, my, for for me, the most important thing actually is that the the, the tournament is held in a positive atmosphere. There's no shit and trouble off the field. Um, in you know, plastic chairs being chucked across market squares and stuff like that. For me, those are the most important things. Um, and so I, if, if you had to trade off, I'd take half-empty stadiums, but for a peace and quiet tournament yeah. off the pitch. And I think the, the, the atmosphere in the stadiums, it, it appears to have been pretty good in terms of yeah. the noise level. Yeah. And that's even with, you know, with a lot of neutral fans, I think... Obviously, when we've probably all been neutral fans in the stadium, you do naturally sort of veer towards one of the two teams. And I, I think generally the atmospheres have been really good. I think it, the games have been very well supported, and uh, mm. with the, especially like today on some of maybe the less high-profile ties, we've seen some excellent support from the Senegalese fans, from the Colombian fans. They're really good. And yeah, what, what's really what's really good as well is that the um, the the kind of the local fans, the the Russian fans, and naturally, as you always do in these situations, they're getting behind the underdogs. And because it's been somewhat of a, a tournament for underdogs so far, that means they've had lots to cheer about in those stadiums. So it's been great in that respect. Righty, Rue. Well, I'm going to ask you guys to uh, name who you think might be an interesting character over the next week. Who do you think, Andy? Come back to me. <laughs> Jono. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh. That's an obvious one, isn't it? Neil. 
Sergio Ramos. Oh, <laughs> oh just quick quick point about him. Um, this, this week in training, um, he was very clearly uh, seen taking the piss out of Cristiano Ronaldo's dive. Alleged, <laughs> alleged dive for the penalty. Um, okay, well, I which, do like which, that. <laughs> which, uh, to be fair, is quite funny. That I mean, he's, funny. he's still a massive idiot, but that was, that was quite funny. Sergio Aguero. Oh, okay. Well then, gents, I'm afraid that is it for another week. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. You can catch us on uh, at WorldyPod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at WorldyPod at gmail.com, and we will see you next week. Right, so we're off to the pub then, yeah?